everyone and welcome back to the CLSR and I'm your host the counselor just want to let you people know you can get a hold of me at t-h-e-c-o-u-n-s-e-l-l-o-u-r at gmail.com that's the counselor at gmail.com now I want to say to all my wonderful listeners out there let's continue to spread the word like the wise old bird and put your money where your mouth is so we can handle this biz take care Hello everyone and welcome to the CLSR and I'm the counselor. Today we're going to talk about some of the hardest things to say or do. Well as you know we're dealing with some challenging times and uh, as everyone's locked in at this time you're going to find that there's going to be some real challenges in the households. You can hear it on the news and you can imagine sometimes even in your own home you might think it could happen to other people out there or it just happens to other people out there but in actuality, it happens right in your home. And sometimes when you get into those arguments, you realize that as much as you think you're right, these could be um, situations where you're not actually right. You're just arguing it out because you're under lockdown. So you didn't think it could happen to you or your family, but there are effects, you know, impacts from this COVID-19. So what we need to understand is that... Uh, Period, one of the hardest things to do is admit that you're wrong. Regardless of the situation, admitting that you're wrong, I don't know. When you defend yourself a lot all the time and or you don't think anyone's on your side and you're in a defensive mode or you know you're right and you are trying to convince somebody of that, maybe you're right from your perspective. You may not actually be right, but perception right, is everything. Whether you're right or wrong, sometimes it's just good to admit that, you know, I'm thinking about this other person and, you know, I got to humble myself and that I might not be right. So you have to take some time. Usually that takes some time to think about, you know, taking that position because a lot of the times we're reacting in the heat of the moment where we're arguing with the other person and we're finding that, you know what, the more we argue, the more intense it gets, the more I think I got to prove that I'm right. So it becomes no longer just about right or wrong. It actually starts to become an invested thing where you're so invested in this activity that you're just going to go at it. And, you know, often it goes on way too long. And you realize, like, after a lengthy period of time, oh, my God, I can't believe, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that I was actually carrying on for that long. Why do I not stop myself? And that could be, number one, your natural state of, you know, um, I, I can't admit I'm wrong, but the other is that, you know, there are effects in this COVID-19 situation. You know, that's an extra added on component to dealing with, you know, arguing. So these are things that we need to keep in mind. So we're talking about things that, um, you know, they're hard to say and do. So admitting that you're wrong is one for sure, you know. Um, also, I, I'm finding that, you know, as your children get older, you know, some of the words love, you know, that even though you mean it, you know it, it's deep down inside you and your children may need it, your loved one may need it. You're not using it as often. So the less you use it, the harder sometimes it becomes to say. Time goes on and you don't say what's on your mind. So you just get into a routine, but one of the hardest things to say and bring yourself back to it when you know, you know, you feel it is love you, you know, I love you. And it becomes even a weird feeling inside of you because you're like, you know, I might not even realize how long it's been since I've said the word love you, but it does need to be said, you know, but like I said, we become complacent, you know, and we don't use it. So then it becomes really hard to say. It's been out of use so long, and we need to bring ourselves back. And no matter even if you're listening to this message here, you need this is a reminder in your life that you should be using that word, love. But use love if you mean it, you know, because there's different ways to use that word, love. That's why it's a hard word sometimes, because you, when you're in a relationship, imagine being in a relationship where you have somebody that loves you, and you're not really sure if you love them back or you know you don't love them back, but you like this person and you figure, well, you know what? 
Sometimes you get into that situation where you feel pressured to say I love you. But imagine how you may feel if you're really not in love with that person. Sometimes that relationship can drag on and on because you're feeling um, empathetic towards that person. And you know they really care about you. And sometimes it goes on and it becomes a relationship. You know, this person grows on you. You know, but what about when they don't grow on you? So that's why you got to be careful when you hear that word love and when you say that word love in a relationship. You know, you have to be mindful that it means something to that person. And you are aware that they love you or they, you know, think they love you. But you have to be able to be genuine, you know. But if you're not genuine, the relationships, they tag on like they go on and on and on. And you don't really want that. That's hard on a relationship. But of course, you know, none of us are perfect. It does go on. And sometimes people really do grow on you. And you learn to love. That's a big thing. See, some people just might say it. Maybe you can learn to love someone. That's what you might be telling yourself. I can learn to love this person. And maybe you can. There's so many different ways to it. However, I'm just mentioning that when someone says they love you and you're not really in love with them, that could definitely be a challenge because if you do you know, respond with, I love you back, then you're giving that person a message and you might be giving them a lifelong message and then you're caught, you know? And then this, like, people are very, that's the difference between human beings and those animals. We're emotional. We have emotions, a consciousness, but we have emotions, you know? I'm sure some of those animals, but we're a very emotional being. So, you know, like people do some crazy things when they ain't feeling love. Like, you, you know what I mean? So you got to keep that in mind. I also found that forgiveness is a challenge. Forgiveness. Some people can do it easily. Others have a very hard time with forgiveness. The thing about forgiveness is you, a lot of times you don't forget. So it's hard to forgive. But forgiveness is one of the most challenging things to do for us as people, you know, like and even like I find that in relationships, if you do forgive a person, you know, especially in the early stages of a relationship, when you're in a situation where somebody has hurt you and, you know, you really love that person. I mean, it wasn't you that did it. It was them. But you really love that person. And you know what? You you know, it hurts, but you forgive that person and you genuinely try to forgive that person. However, think about a time where you were in a relationship where you forgave someone, they were with you, and while you were with them, you consciously thought you forgave them, but your actions were showing. And they were giving another message to that individual. You know, you were showing them that you really didn't forgive them. You say you forgave them, but you really, in your actions, you weren't showing. So you were doing things that were torturing that person, and it was hurtful. So, you know, these are things that can occur in relationships. You know, forgiveness can be hard. And then, like, usually they say it's the people closest to you that hurt you the most. And I think that's true. Um... You know, and when we know a lot about a person, uh, we tend to find it harder to forgive that person is because, you know, you're saying to yourself, listen, I know you. You should know better. You know, you know me. Like, how could you hurt me like that? That's where that closeness really gets you. And, you know, and sometimes the effects of these relationships where somebody closest to you hurts you, you just, you know, it just it's like a weight on your shoulders. You carry it, even though a lot of us cut off those relationships and move on. And then there are some that try to forgive, but it's just a challenge for them. So they carry this weight. And we don't really want to do that. We kind of want to learn that, you know, uh, forgiveness, it's a hard thing to do. People who are close to us, we have to say to ourselves, you know what? And we have to make this decision where we say, can I live with what had happened? Or am I going to be looking at this for the rest of my life, you know, feeling bad? And can I, am I really in the state of forgiveness? Because forgiveness is really hard to do. It takes work. It's time consuming a lot of the time. 
Uh, you got to cry it out. You got to work it out. You got to talk it out. You got to do whatever you got to do to get through. Uh, sometimes it's just move on. But if you are going to work with forgiving someone, you know, you have to be very clear with that person. You got to get some supports in place so that you can deal if you're going to continue. Other than that, move on. We can't move on from everything, but there's certain things we have to know our limits, which is important. Knowing your limits when it comes to forgiveness. Am I going to be able to live with this thing? This person so close with me that I just I can't fathom them hurting me this way. You know, it's just amazing the things human beings do. And sometimes people are hurting people because their needs come first. You know, they want something, you know, and you know, I'm talking about cheating because cheating something serious, right? Like people out there cheat. People say, why do people cheat? You know, it's hard. There's no one answer for cheating. What you do need to know is that, you know, after someone cheats, you got to consider that forgiveness. It's a hard thing to do, you know. And as you get older in a relationship, you realize that forgiveness is really, really hard to do. But it's essential that you do do it, especially if you've been with a lifelong partner and you want to be with that partner and you love that partner. You know, time, they say heal all wounds. No, it doesn't heal all wounds. But the majority, if you could work through it with some time, then you know what? That forgiveness could actually work. You know, I mean, you might mature and you might say, well, how deep really was it? Like, really? You know, what's really most important in my life? You know, is it this person or the act itself or can I live with it? These are things that forgiveness, you know, throughout your life, the different experience gets different reactions. All I'm saying is to work through. It's one of the hardest things to do is forgive. So you know that you have to do some soul searching when it comes to forgiving people, especially the ones that are close to you. All right. Working through forgiveness is important and understanding that people do make mistakes. It's just if they continuously make mistakes, that's when you need to, you know, do some self-evaluation. And it happens often in relationships, right? You get in a relationship, you love somebody so much that, you know, you're, you forgive, you know? You have that side to you where you, you want it to work out, so you do forgive. But you got to put some stops when it happens too much. You know, over and over and over and over again, you know, like it doesn't become a life when you keep seeing that same person not learning the lesson. You're basically at the point where you keep putting up with it. You're hurting yourself, you know, and this person that keeps doing it, they're never going to learn, you know, but people do put up with it based on circumstances that I don't know. Like, you know, it's so weird because when I was growing up, I remember having a friend who, um, you know, like, in my culture, if if a woman did not want to be with a man, she's just like, I don't want to be with you. You know what I mean? They don't even put up with that. You know, so I met some friends when I was growing up, and they had, like, parents who were married. And then I would go to their house, that this one in particular person, and I'd see the dads crashed out on the couch. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? I said, I thought your parents, you just live with your dad. And they're like, no, my mom's upstairs. So I'm like, your mom's upstairs. What's really going on? So these are, these are people who choose for a number of reasons to live together, not interact really like it's all really a little high and by. And, you know, when I said to that person, I said, well, you know, this is new to me. I've never seen parents kind of living in the same household, but not really interacting, you know, and. This person responded by saying, I think they're doing it for us, the children. And I mean, that makes sense, but I don't know, like, that would be really challenging because you have to look at the children and say, these children know you're not really interacting. Is that healthy communication, you know, or, you know, is what's the impact is going to have on them and their relationships in the future they, when they see people living in front of them? that are not communicating at all and I'm, you start to say could these people be acting this way even for finance maybe it's maybe it's you know cheaper for them to live together they save money you know but it's weird it's got to be some sort of phenomenon because i'm thinking nah i couldn't live with the person too long in the same house especially for years and not really talk to that person you know or have minimal just bare minimum communication whereas like we're ghosts we walk past each other and our kids are there and you know they see we're not happy 
So how could we, uh, you know, get the impression that the kids are going to be happy? Well, I don't, I don't know. That's a real challenge. And you know what? This person, honestly, when I couldn't really talk to them too much about it because they didn't want to talk about it. They just were like, whatever. Maybe they felt they had their parents. Maybe the parents thought, well, we're parenting these kids and we're there for them and that's important. And maybe that's the sacrifice we should give. Maybe we shouldn't be selfish beings and go, you know, hey, I'm out of here. I can't be with you, you know. But there's also something I felt weird because when I saw the parents, I was like, nah, there's got to be a little bit more to this story. Like these people must, I don't know, something could have happened. You know, and that's why I was talking about forgiveness. Something could have happened where one of them did went out there and did something, but they really made a mistake and the other person couldn't forgive them. They could deal with them, but they couldn't forgive them. And that's a unique situation. So I thought, no, there's... And then when I saw them, you know, walking around, I'm like, no, no, you can't spend years together. There's always a component of someone that you like, you know, or that you want around, and you know it despite what they did. But then some of us have that side to us where, no, I just can't, I can't forgive. So we're never, we'll be living in the same house, but we'll never be, you know, sexually compatible again. And I just thought that was weird. I observed that when I was younger, and I was like, wow, man, like, I, I had that insight to look into things, and I thought, there were so many scenarios, but it just was unique to me at that time. You know, so interesting. The world showed me then that, no, we're not perfect. We got some work to do as human beings. Another thing I find that's really challenging is being told what to do. And it's not even how I'm told what to do. And there are people out there that don't like being told what to do. Get their backs up. I get my back up sometimes. I don't know. Even though I might be working for someone else, it's still challenging to be told what to do, you know. Um, you never really get used to being told what to do. And some people take it worse than others. But I find that to be a real challenge when people tell me what to do. You know, um, I don't know, maybe it's my character. Um, but it is a challenge, you know, being told what to do. Now, of course, there are some people who don't mind being told what to do. They, uh, they like the guidance. They need the support, you know, when they feel that some people are clear-cut in what they want to do, so being told what to do, they prefer it. You know, there's no confusion, diverging from the plan, so they like that guidance, that being, you know, that guidance where they're being productive, and so they appreciate that, so they're willing to be told what to do, you know, and a lot of people get their self-esteem when people tell them what to do, and they meet their challenges. I'm a little different than that. I don't know. I mean, I do the challenges for myself. However, but I think there are people out there who, you know, they can understand being told what to do is a part of their job and some work, most work with it, but there are some that have challenges with it, you know, and so they might advance in their career so that they can get into positions where they can tell people what to do, you know, as well, you know, they might feed off of that, you know. Um, it, it depends. There's different ways where you get in different positions in different organizations. But I found that, you know, when people tell me what to do, it's not even how they tell me what to do. I find that, you know, I just, you know, take it in and then I say my piece. But, you know, I just never been good. Maybe that independent spirit's coming out with out of me. You know, that's probably when there's signs out there, you know, when you get signs out there or feelings that if you don't like, if you think about it, well, what if I don't really like being told what to do, you know, and I'm still, you know, dealing with that. Am I, am I really free? Am I really open to do what I want in my life? Do I feel I have an enriched life? Maybe that's a sign saying that, no, you don't. Maybe you need to look at that. Maybe you should start to take on some leadership and, you know, advance yourself to where you want to tell others what to do. I don't know, but it could be something that, you know, what is it that's bothering? Maybe I'm not living up to my full potential or I need to do a little bit more for myself so that I can work with people um, and not just tell them what to do, but maybe get on a different level of communication where we're communicating. I think maybe it should be more balanced and, you know, more uniform and level. You know, the hierarchy maybe bothers me, you know, where one person, there's so many minds out there. And I think the resources that we have that we could share with each other, you know, 
is important. And I think that that's a hard thing for some people to do, take on being told what to do all the time. But shared communication on a certain level is very productive. And, you know, I maybe I'm not a, for the traditional hierarchy. Maybe it's maybe I'm picked up on communication is really effective when we're working together to get things done. It's not just top down. You know, when I speak to some of my colleagues and somebody might have told me what to do, and it wasn't even how they told me. And when I'm expressing it to my colleagues, some of them are like, man, you need to chill out. You need to be a little bit more humble. It's not that deep. And I'm still like, eh, I still don't like it, you know. But maybe that is true. Maybe accepting feedback is a challenge for me, you know. And feedback is important. Like, I think there's a real difference between feedback and being told what to do. You know, being told what to do is just could be direct. And I think it's how the person takes it. When it's direct, if you interpret it as one thing, which most of us, we know when somebody's really being, you know, a little bit extended and, you know, going too far with the comment and then just being told what to do. Right. However, we need to think that there is a real difference when you're receiving feedback. And even feedback can be a challenge, but feedback is more supportive, not just being, you know, directed at, but it's more of a supportive um, role where you're trying to help the person, you know, cope or advance or be supported in some sort of way. Feedback is really good if you understand one thing, understand the person a little bit before you get to give some feedback. Knowing people is important. Like if I found that being in crowds when I was at uh, conferences, people in crowds would try to give feedback to certain individuals and it wasn't really well received that way. And I think it was because it was impersonal and the person didn't really take it in. You know, sometimes you'd see them roll their eyes. And I would think to myself, well, giving feedback is important to do that when you, you know, build a little bit of rapport with somebody so that they can understand what you're saying, you know, as opposed to just taking it in and getting offended and taking it, oh, you're telling me what to do. Giving some constructive feedback. And that really right there, you have to understand, you have to drop the ego and you have to really listen it. And sometimes some of the hard, that's why they say sometimes when people give that hard uh, feedback and they tell you what really is real, it's hard for people to take. You know, because they take it in and they personalize it and they don't see what the person is trying to say. And sometimes that's about who's saying it, right? Who's giving you feedback? Because there's certain people you don't like or certain people you don't get along with. They come and say something and they might be giving you some real, but you're not taking it because you look at that person and you're like, I don't really like you. You know, it's not I don't care, you know. But if you understand that a person's got to give you some real feedback and it makes you better, you know, then if you can accept the feedback, you're good. You know, first you have to have an open mind, right? Whereas you're willing and able to accept the feedback. And maybe you won't look at it as being told what to do. If it's really good information, you should get it if you have an open mind, you know? If that person's really intended to, you know, support you in any way or tell you what's really real, then accept that. I mean, as humans, we have to find ways to communicate effectively. I think everyone in elementary school, high school, it should be, it definitely should be a requirement to have communication classes so that we can learn about all different forms of communication, the nonverbal, the verbal, the visual, you know, like there's so many different forms of communication. And I think we all often use maybe one form. We misinterpret the nonverbal many times, you know. We It's little things that tick, of, tick us off. And I think that if we get proper communication skills growing up on how to talk to each other, even in the playground when the kids are young, how to respond, how boys may communicate, how any uh, human being may communicate in different ways, whether it's culture, religious ways, you know, ethnic culture, ethnicity, People communicate in many different ways, and I think it's important that if you're growing up, you should learn that one of the classes should be communication 
classes with real group interaction, you know, where people can actually make that a part of the curriculum, where people are sitting around being able to discuss, understand, listen to each other, and work together or work independently, but still be a part of the process of understanding different ways to communicate. We live in a very diverse society, and we have so many strengths and assets out there as people and resources that we can tap into. And if we do that, communication would just be fantastic. I think that we live in a very diverse uh, community. However, I will be the first to admit that when you go even in a big GTA where we're at, you know, despite, you know, unless a lot of cultures are born here, I'm finding that the older cultures, they don't really assimilate that much. So the communication could be funny. And that's a hard thing to do is, you know, misunderstand the communication or, you know, you're coming from another country, you might not understand this, so you stick to your own. And that's not all of, all of uh, the GTA, but... A great part, you know, look at the areas. They're all split up to certain sections, you know, like even in Toronto, which is cool. We get that. They're supporting each other in those communities. However, I'm just saying that in school, you know, um, it's funny because we have in this country, we have French and English, and English being the main, you know, and then you got French. Think of all the different cultures that have come and immigrated who are raised here that speak so many different languages that, you know, that's a resource we haven't tapped into as well. You know, all the kids out there, the parents who teach their kids in the home and the kids that come to school and they speak the English. Well, a lot of them pick up English, like real English, you know, quick. Because they've got a background of their own language. Some have two or three. So that's a resource we need to tap into as well. You know, it's a hard thing to do when it's not part of the curriculum or the expectation. Sure, you might be having these kids talk to each other or cliquing on the playground individually. But unless they speak the same languages, a lot of people aren't crossing that bridge to try a different language. There are a number of people that do, but it's not as great as it could be. So I think that's a resource that we're missing, you know. And I think that we can just speak up, and, you know, and advise some of the people who are teaching our children today that there's a gap out there that we're missing, you know. And I think especially in this GTA, we're missing that because we have so much, so many resources. And I like to say, oh, Canada's or the GTA, it's peaceful, it has its violence. But with all the resources that we have, I think we need to utilize them more effectively, you know. So it's not such a hard thing to do when people get older. You know, um, and I see a lot of different cultures, but like I say, you know, there's a number that stick with their own and there's a handful, like I said, that get out there. But I think it could be improved, greatly improved, a little bit more assimilation, little cross communication, right? Things like that. It's an excellent thing to do. And that needs to be considered. It doesn't need to be a hard thing. But I think if we use these resources, we're going to do um, good things in our communities. I think uh, being humble is important as well, um, humbling yourself. Um, I can only really speak from the male perspective, from my I. I'm using I statements. I have to talk about me. It's a challenge sometimes, but I think it frees me up a little bit if I'm talking about being real, about the challenges of being humble. I mean, I talked earlier a little bit about arguing and trying to win, but... Uh, I think I've been learning to listen a little bit more and try to be more humble. I think it's important that you humble yourself. I mean, as men, sometimes, you know, um, we get a little bit um, controlling sometimes of the conversation. And we're all seeking attention, but sometimes we can get a little bit out there with not just controlling the situation, but feeling that we have the floor. And sometimes... Uh, I blame that on COVID-19. Well, what do you want from me? If I'm locked up in here, I'm going to do that every time. But no, I'm just kidding. All I'm saying is, seriously, folks, we do have to humble ourselves. And we have to understand that people having their say, you know, is important. And I attribute this to attention. And what I mean is, one of the hardest things to do is understand that everyone needs their attention, right? And I can place, 
I can place attention into two categories, positive attention and negative attention. And people get really pushed out of shape when they don't understand the differences. There are people who do things for positive attention, you know. You know, some people will, you know, be in your face too much, you know, where they're trying to show off in front of you and they feel that, you know, this is the way they're going to get their attention from you, you know, and that's something as well, or they'll give you something, you know, so they want, they want that attention where they're giving you something, but often sometimes it's about how they, it makes them feel, but they're still seeking some attention from you, right? That positive attention is we all need some attention. People do some wild things when they're not receiving attention. I mean, one of the most detrimental parts of life is when you feel alone and you're not getting any attention. That's sad, you know. And what do you do about that? You know, you need some positive attention, whether it's comments, it's a hug, or it's just having someone around to talk to, someone being there, someone you can refer to every once in a while. That's important, that attention, for sure. But I believe you got to give a lot of times to get, you know, give some attention and you get some attention, right? Don't just expect it, but it's important, you know, that feeling of loneliness is one thing, but even if you're not lonely, attention comes in many different forms, right? Like when I think of the children, like even in the family, like they need their attention. And as they grow, they're all vying for attention from you. And, you know, I find as a parent, you're never really, um, I don't know how to say this, but you can't really say that, you know, I give one attention more than the other. Because it seems like the children still, no matter what you do, think that you're giving the other one more attention than the other. So... You never really win on that because they will be making comments like, you know, I see that you're getting along with this one. And then another one saying the same thing or, you know, they're not saying nothing. And then the other one keeps on about it. So, you know, you're never really. But you have to realize that they all need attention. And if you're really in tune with your loved ones, you realize that some may need attention more than others, you know, but you still risk the other one looking at you. Because they're not receiving attention. Or they go years feeling that way. And then when they get older, they throw it in your face. That you never really, you know, paid attention to them. Even though you have, maybe I had too many kids, I don't know. But you got to look at balancing the attention. Because there's positive attention that needs to be considered at all times. And when, even when you're in a conversation with a group. Discussing some uh, points. You realize that, you know what, I'm going to say my say. But I do realize that, you know, um, these other people have to have their attention. And if I find what's common is usually when you're in a group and you're talking, people are communicating. There's usually one or two people. If there's four people, two are really dominating the other conversation. And the other two are observing and maybe giving a head nod or a yes here and there. That's a very common dynamic when it comes to communication, you know. One person starting out and then the other person. And you know why I think that is? I think that's because they're going to And if you look at it and you observe it, you really have to laugh and think to yourself, you know what? These two are going at it. They're getting all the attention, but now they're challenging each other. And if you're not careful, if you had a couple of drinks, then that communication will lead into, you know, a fight or an argument, you know, where I don't know what it is, but you can't like when you're communicating in groups, Especially you see it on TV, but if you see it in the family, you'll understand that there's two dominators of the conversation and don't add anything to that mix because it really takes off, you know, and it really depends. If, and that's why I said when the observers, the thing with the observers is, is a lot of times they fall into a pattern where they, when they get into groups, they become the constant observers all the time. Right. They're always observant. So when they get it, instead of taking that dominant position, because see those ones, and the dominant two often will travel in the same group, you know, so they'll establish this pattern of, you know, everybody expects them to talk or have something to say. So the observers have to learn to break free from that pattern and go, hey, once in a while, you know, um, once in a while, I got to have my say. But sometimes that's even a challenge. 
And the reason why it's a challenge, because when you go to speak up to say you want to have your say to one of the dominant ones, it becomes a what? An argument. You know, they get a, you know, they start on you because they're used to being in their routine of dominating the conversation. So when that one observer wants to break that communication pattern, you know, that they and sometimes they don't even break the communication pattern because they're afraid of what that dominant person is going to do because that person has been so dominant for so long. So that communication pattern, if they're brave, they're strong, and they get their confidence together, and they, you know, they, they, they can definitely challenge. But my recommendation is instead of just challenging that dominant person who's communicating their dominance over most conversations, I think you're going to have to approach that maybe on an individual because that person might be offended if you start challenging them, or they'll definitely be argumentative. There, I I rarely can see a situation where a person says, yeah, right, I'm talking too much. Like, that's not a conversation people admit most often. They get offended. I mean, I have. But I'm saying people, you know, are people. And you have to understand that when they're challenged, you know, which is so hard, when they're challenged, they either get their back up or they understand. But most of the times they get a little, you know, a little attitude. They sit back and they start to look and then they make a decision or they go back and they're just responding because they might have been offended. So, like I said, it's a process. But there is a pattern in communication. You understand? And what we need to understand is when you look at these patterns, there's a tension that needs to be distributed, you know. And even if it's not distributed regularly amongst everyone, you know, and maybe you're okay with that. It just needs to be considered that it does need, that communication does need to be, you know, approached in a way where every once in a while there's a balance of communication, you know, like every once in a while, because you can't just shut people out. There are people who sit back, but, you know, you'll get along with people and the relationships will last a little longer if we all understand that, you know what, we can balance it out right? There will be arguments. And this is the thing, too. We got to talk about arguments, too, because I think as human beings, when we argue, we're going to get into that a little bit later, you know, but as people, um, they argue, but, you know, they don't look at argue. They just look at it in what many look at it in one perspective as it's negative. You know, it shouldn't happen. We, we shouldn't do that. We're bad. people. No, so we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but I wanted to continue talking about attention. Even in communication, there's that positive attention that needs to be looked at, but there's also negative attention. And I found that in my days, there were things happening where I would see youth, young people, you know, and they would act out. And a lot of people were, I would say, 80%. We're, you know, misunderstanding that form of communication. And it's like, we as, this is what I'm talking about when I talk about communication, how we need to learn these different signs and ways of understanding people because this is miss. This is something big. And when I talk about this negative attention and it's things, and what I mean by negative, it's the act or the way someone behaves to receive some sort of attention. And it might not specifically be the person standing in front of them. It's just they're behaving a certain way. They're communicating with their actions and their words, you know, that something's wrong. And I don't think many of us look at that. I think we get offended because we have an ego. Or you can't talk to us that way or you're out of control or, you know, we're in a judgmental position, you know. We're judging, we're just reacting, and that's crucial to understanding communication, just reacting. So when I see, like, I've had kids do some things out there where they, I see them throw things, you know, curse, you know, and this is a big one, too, like, how the student reacts. That's how we approach it sometimes because we're reacting to what they're doing. We're not understanding, we're reacting. So a kid that's acting up and communicating you know, through violence or through verbal, see how many, like how many of you, if you think about it, can have somebody tell you to F off to your face without being offended? Like how many can really get behind, if you can get behind those words, get past them, 
You know, and that's where the critical thinking, critical literacy should be coming in is when you get behind those words and you understand that, hey, wait, something's up. This is a communication pattern that I need to look at, not judge, not react to. I need to recognize. And I'm just talking about a segment of society that may be communicating, you know, and it looks like there's something wrong but we're just reacting to it as opposed to supporting it or understanding it and that's called negative attention you know some people do things they agitate they're trying to get at you and you know they're looking they're seeking they're understanding some people say walk away from them some ignore it It just de depends on the amount of attention they're seeking and all i'm saying is that people communicate that way that negative attention could be just as powerful as positive attention now keeping that in mind i have to talk about the negative attention that gets to a level that's unacceptable right the unacceptable level of negative you know attention is somebody who may be stalking and someone who might be going way too far i mean i know some people that i'm serious this is real and what i mean is is this is about you know Maybe an individual who's stalking somebody or who's, you know, they can't get over that relationship. And, you know, and they're, you know, they're they're going too far and they're pushing the limit. Like that neck, that un inability to humble themselves and move on. So that negative attention turns into something, you know, that negative attention becomes psychological. And that's scary. That's scary for a lot of people. You know, so there's different levels to the negative attention. There's the, okay, the communicative level, I can try and work with that. Then there's the obsessive, crazy level where it's just out of control. And it's sad to say that we don't have a quick fix for it. Because I think that the even the criminal justice system, it's scary. It's disappointing. I'm concerned even as an individual way it operates. There are people out there threatening to kill people. And I know the courts have their... Uh, hands full a lot of the time but still like if there's people out there threatening to hurt people seriously and the police yes they're charging them and these people can get it like eventually that person is going to get out even if they go in for a day or three eventually they're going to get out so what i'm saying to you is that negative attention you got to watch it right because if that person starts all young and they're doing all that you got to be you got to keep you got to watch it you got to, you know, keep an eye on it. I mean, we can't predict everything. People are going to do what they're going to do. But, you know, there's different levels to the negative attention. And when I talk about, you know, the court level, that's one thing. We talk about the micro level, that's one thing. But this thing is macro. You know, people are doing things out there that are scary for a lot of people, you know. And that's the negative attention that you got to watch. I think the courts, like I said, we need to kind of work with people a little bit and start saying hey we got to protect our people who you know you know whoever it is out there that's having a problem i've seen men honestly and i've seen women in the courts and they're just hey they're having some challenges and there's some people out there and i mean we can't save the world but we can improve the system we need to support people who are being threatened for real because honestly people can live many years and you know go through some traumatic events that's torture even having somebody threaten and do all that can be torturous to an individual because they don't know where that person's mind's going to go. You might talk to that person, oh, I mean to do, I'm not going to do anything. But you don't know when somebody keeps doing it and they get crazy and different, using social media at different levels like that, form of communication, worrisome. You know, so that's what I'm saying. Where this stuff goes, you hope the person moves on in their life or something, but there's still that negative communication, that negative attention, that person seeking, you know, but to what extent? And I think that all centers about the ego, right? That ego is deadly a lot. And okay, I'm going to talk about a male that I know that's tripping out. It's the ego. That person's ego, like, okay, I'm going to say it because I think <laughs> this is crazy, but this is the truth. The ego is really deep. And if you heard a man, even a woman has ego. But I'm saying when it comes to ego, if it gets, you know, dented, impacted in any way, well, we react. We can't get over it. It's hard for, 
even men sometimes watch that eagle because when you damage or get that eagle damaged, some of these birds act like they don't have any sense. They don't know how to recover from it. They don't know how to snap out of it. And I know there's a lot of women out there that are like, damn, you know, like what is going on? But it, this is the world we're living in. So, I mean, this is a part where the courts need to wake up a little bit, start getting a little bit more serious. I mean, maybe they don't need jail. Maybe they need a club up north, you know what I mean? Like maybe a club for a couple of years just to calm down. But the point is, is we need to do something about it. But my point also is, is that if you really think about things, right, we have situations where things get out of control and you want to manage your life and you don't want to look past people with this negative attention thing. You want to pay attention to, you know, people when they act it out and see it for more than just what it is. But you also have to keep in mind that there's different levels to negative attention. Whether you're getting positive attention or you get negative attention, people need attention. Not to, And the thing about attention is this. There's a history to attention that we have to understand as human beings. When it comes to attention, if you raise a child and you give them too much attention, and I said too much attention, you train them without understanding that they need that attention all the time. You're actually controlling their behavior. You're raising that youth with so much attention that they become needy. And I got to admit, like, I'm starting to think at my age, my children, like, I like when I think about them growing up, they had some good attention. And I can't say too much because I loved it. I love giving them that attention. I love doing things with them. But, you know, when you give them that attention and support them, be there all understanding that you're, you're actually activating some learned behavior, right? You, you, this is you. You're giving the attention to these young people. They're getting accustomed to it. So they just learn to expect it. And if you give them too much attention when they hit that certain vital age, then guess what? They don't know how to adjust when you have other things or you're transitioning into your life and they're still looking for that attention. Because remember, when they're teens, young people are trying to find out who they are. So sometimes they might want some more attention. So be careful how much, like, don't give too much attention where you can't breathe properly. And understand if you're a single parent and you have one child, you know, if you give that child every, and a lot of us, we do it. We give our first so much attention. And then when the second one comes along, right, and you've seen it happen, kids beating on the parents when the new kid comes home, the kid is used to getting that attention. So there, like I said, a new baby comes along and you got to understand, you monitor, you know what I mean? We'll never be perfect at it, but we do need to be mindful of it. That's what's important. So be mindful. If you're expecting to have more kids, just understand we got to balance that attention. You know what I mean? We're going to do what we can. But tension is a very big part of life, having this attention. So keep that in mind. Understanding attention is very important, whether it's positive or negative. But when it comes to attention, understanding it or giving it, we have to understand one thing that's vitally important is that uh, we can't do everything. You know, it's when we're trying to do too much is where we get frustrated in life. We try to understand, oh, yeah, I'm trying to meet this person, um, what they want. But it's important for us to try to balance for ourselves, like take time out for ourselves. I've said it many times before, but tension takes a lot of work because you get people at home wanting attention. You get people at work wanting attention. You have a friend that calls you on the phone. That will take up two or three hours at your time, even though you don't really want to talk to that person. You know what I'm talking about. You're doing the, uh-uh, I'm busy. But you know what? They're so used to getting all this attention that, you know, you got, you know, you want to keep that relationship. Because relationships, they take work. And see, and, and if you really, really think about it, relationships last when you give that attention to people because people a lot of people are self-centered they got that ego so if you give them feed them that attention you'll have a longer lasting relationship right you definitely will right because you know that when you stop giving that person 
that two-hour caller the attention, then they start looking at it like, oh, you know what, this person's ignoring me. And then it just turns into something crazy because you can't cut a person who likes to talk for two hours into like a half hour. They'll think something's wrong. So you never really win. You just have to understand that you can't do everything. You're a human being. You're trying your best. But you have to be mindful of where you're at, what you're about, and take time for yourself because you don't want to take on too much demand for attention because what happens, and some people say it, it's true, what happens is people get burnt out. And not everybody's burnt out means falling on the floor and not waking up for three days. That's television talk. There are people that burn out and stress out and they start to show these crazy signs. But things that aren't, they're just showing signs that, not crazy signs, but just signs that things aren't, you know, that I'm not right. So this is where we don't take time for ourselves and balance it out. Balanced life means taking time for yourself, you know, understanding that you you can't handle too much. You can handle what you can handle, but you don't want to overindulge in other people's attention and trying to meet everyone's needs unless you are solid in who you are and you actually are taking care of yourself, right? Because I always tell my children, like, guess what? I love you, but I got to take care of me at certain times so that I can help take care of you when you, you know what I mean? That's how I feel. I feel that we have to take care of ourselves or we're no good to other people, right? So taking care of yourself is very important, and we got to keep that in mind. And understanding, you know, um, a little bit about yourself is important too. I know one thing that seems quirky that a lot of people don't, a personality assessment. No, seriously, like do a personality assessment where, you know, you learn a little bit about yourself. Is that so wrong? I mean, there's some online that you could take just go up there and do a little you know and it has all the criteria and today with technology you can go online click it up next thing you know third 90 second little click 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 learn a little bit about yourself you know and really think about it and, and it doesn't hurt you know it, it's gonna because actually you are the one who are you're the decisions and questions that you're filling out if you're true to yourself you're just getting a little bit of insight on yourself knowing yourself there's nothing wrong this is what i'm talking about taking care of yourself you do these things and if you do them and you set this into your life where you're taking you know a balanced approach you know even like i said well i'm going to learn a little bit about myself here and there you know what i mean and just to keep my balance or you know that's the way i want to do it and that's how I'm going to be good. That's how I'm going to take care of myself is when I understand that I I matter. So despite all the attention out there, whether it's negative or positive, people will always seek attention. You know, and like I said, if you have a relationship where you understand how to give that attention, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there and balance that out, then the relationships get good. Like because you're understanding that, you know. If you don't hear from somebody for a long time, that's okay. Do that too. Like, you know, if you haven't heard from somebody, reach out a little bit. Say, hey, I was thinking about you, right? Because even during these times right now, you know, people are burning up the lines, but they're burning up the lines because they're losing their minds. People are inside, locked up, locked down, dealing with things. So one way, it's you can't step out of the house or the condo. You can't get out on the street then you're going to burn up them lines. You're going to be Skyping. You're going to be talking. And so you're going to be over sometimes over-communicating. But you're doing it because you need where, you know, you need to be out there. You need to be communicating. You need to keep healthy. Yes. So even when, so this is my point. My point is if you are inside, then you need to understand that you got to pace yourself. Even with the communication, don't call every day. Call maybe every other day or every third day. Just because when you don't know when this lockdown's coming, you got to pace yourself. Or you'll burn out and then you'll start saying things that you really don't mean. Or you'll start going into the past and arguing about things. Either way, balance is good all the way around. doesn't hurt to balance that conversation on the phone. And it's just like activities, you got to balance that too, you know? So balancing yourself, and it, it applies in everything, especially right now, it applies to everything that you balance things out in your life where you're taking care of yourself, right? Um, understanding that there is an impact going on, but these things apply in everyday life, but especially when you're in a situation when you're on lockdown, you know what I mean? You have to understand that there's certain things you have to keep in check.
you know you have to monitor and you have to be aware that yes you know we are all aware that this is happening if i have to take a little walk you know do that but we you know you gotta don't let the frustration build people gotta let it communication to the me is you know it can be explained in this like communication to me is whatever comes in for you to be balanced has to come out in some way because if you have too much attention too much communication you know what i mean overload it has to come out you know what i mean so there has to be a balance so you, whether you're talking it out working it out meditating you know and do some private time for yourself somewhere you know you got to release even if it's breathing you have to release that because Clearly, there's a lot going on in the world, period, but more than ever, we need to balance it out. We need to look at keeping a balance. Even if you got to, some people got to put up a schedule on how to balance it out. And I recommend that people do that. People during this time should say, look it, um, what's going to help me balance things out and keep control is if I can see the big picture. See, I'm one of those visual learners where if I can see things up, I get chilled out when I see something on the wall and I go, look, I can see from here to here so I know what's going on. I feel good about that. It keeps balance. It keeps me less stressed. Going day to day, you know, some people do that. They can manage it. But if you want to manage effectively, right, put up the big picture. Get the visuals going, even for your kids. If you put have kids in the family, you know, as opposed to what are we going to do this morning or where are we going to go today or what are we going to talk about? Like, put up the plan for everybody to see and set it in motion so that everybody's following, you know, this program. Now, it's not going to be perfect, but it's something that people can see. It's visual, you know, even with the, and a lot of you people out there have done it, but it's really highly recommended that you get that visual going so you understand that it's going to release some stress. It's going to bring in some certainty and people are going to work more effectively you know, and it's just, it reduces some of the anxiety, right? So that's important. You know, I'm thinking about the uh, families that are going through some real challenging times out there, especially when I hear about these um, nursery, not nursery, these retirement homes, <laughs> the retirement homes, unfortunately, that are going through these deaths right now. It's like, wow, it's just, it's of course, we've never ever seen anything like this before, uh, but I think one of the hardest things that some people are doing is, and it just broke my heart when I heard of someone on television the other day when I heard on the news about someone having a loved one and that loved one passing away and they did really get to say their goodbyes or it's like, you know, there's no, you know what I mean? Like people, I don't know, we're just, these are challenging times and it's, People are having funerals via video, like, whoa, it's just, this is deep. And, you know, and even when you think of death, you know, like somebody that you love, like, first of all, you're already locked into a situation which is, um, it, you know, it, it's a challenge. for It's new for many people, and it's a challenge, but you're locked in already, and then you're dealing with death. And, you know, or the thought of death. It Like, man, the amount, we have to change the system. We better learn from this experience because we have to, I'm telling you, I'm thankful that we're, you know, we're trying to work through this. And a lot of people are following what's going on. But I think, man, we better have some people or if you hear this, you better start thinking about what are the things that could be changed that could, you know, like, what are we going to learn from this and what can we put in place? I mean, that is, you know, we've come to a point where, you know, where we have people who are passing on in our lives and there's no closure and we're enclosed. How ironic. We're enclosed and we're losing closure. So that's like a double whammy. And my heart goes out to those families that I mean, I just I feel for them because it's just it's unbelievable what and people are. You know, when I think of uh, looking across the water and I see in another country there's thousands dying, even if there's a thousand here dying, like it's just it's just it's just the fact that all these people are going through all these changes and yes, death. It's sometimes it's hard to you know like I don't know. Sometimes we're in a position where we have someone passing away and it's already hard enough to deal with that. So this 
closure. Um, we need to learn, you know, this, we're in a situation, it's challenging, but I just feel for some of the people. And uh, one of the hardest things to do is be in a situation that we're in and work, you know, productively without worrying and stressing. But you got to work through it and be try and be as resilient as you can. But it's a reality out there. And it's 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 worrisome and scary for a lot of people. So I'm just noticing that. And I think that what I can recommend to people who are going through that with their family is that they, you know, um, they grieve. You know, they they talk it out. They grieve. You know, they you know, there's no easy answer. I don't have it. I think it's okay to grieve. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to talk to people. It's okay to cry about that situation. It's okay to work work through it in whichever way you need to work through it, you know, and it's just understand hopefully a little bit of time it gets less less painful, but working through it is important and it might take time. But there is no easy answer and there's no quick remedy and it's it's tough. Like even without COVID-19 losing a a family member, especially a parent or a grandparent, you know, like even a young person. Oh my goodness, there's young people too. I know it's saying that a lot of this thing is going on with the older people, but there are young people passing away too, and it's just like wow. One of my fears is that they have this disease out there, and then maybe the schools go back too early, and I just don't want to see. You know, I don't know, but to me, as hard as it could be inside. We're humans, we're resilient, but I don't want to go nowhere without the vaccine. And I don't think anybody else does. Like, get that vaccine together. With all this technology, we should be able to come together. The world should come together and be able to work something out. There should be no vaccine taking no year and a half, two years. They should come with a vaccine. We got to get busy. And hopefully, and I really believe that they're going to come up with something that's going to be quite effective in the near future i really believe and i think that's a part of it too like when you're going through this hurt and pain also start to look at okay look at what do i have in my life that i could appreciate and be thankful for and understand it is a terrible thing that's happening but i gotta look forward to some positive and appreciate the ones i do have in my life and appreciate life period because that's important you know but i'm hoping that they do come up but i got a feeling i got a strong feeling that you know I believe in the good in human beings. I believe we can do anything we put our minds to. These are experiences that are new to us as human beings, but I believe we can do what we want to. I mean, look where we're coming from, man. Think about it. Hundreds of years ago, yes, we are the result of a lot of this craziness, but I think that we also have the ability and the remedy in us. There's some smart human beings out there. A lot of us have powers that we're not even using, but if we work together... We'll get through this. I just feel that there's some change coming around the corner. And it's hopefully it's not just about this disease peaking. Because I'll be real with you. Like when you talk about this disease peaking. Because they say there's a, a curve to this disease where it ramps up and then it peaks down. And yes, that's, I understand that. And a lot of people get a lot of relief from that peak. But me... When it peaks down, I think a roller coaster, I think you're peaking down only to peak back up again. And I don't know when you're going to peak back up again. You know what I mean? And just not having a vaccine, to me, you know, I don't get more relief. I'm like, just because the peak goes down, when it goes up, you don't know when it's going to go up. And you don't know if this, this thing is going to reappear in five years. You don't know if it's going to reappear in three months. So just knowing that this thing peaks up and down means it's here. And we might never get it to go away. I think what people think is there's a lot of diseases out there that, you know, we know about the main diseases, but I really would like to know how many diseases out there, you know, we've done wonderful things, but there's some major diseases that have been around for a while. So maybe this disease is not going away. So hopefully we get a vaccine. I do feel we're going to get a vaccine for it. Hopefully we can save some lives. And I think mentally we have to be strong, not just strong. We have to believe. That's a very big part of it, believe. Because when you believe in things, you know, and you do the positive thinking, it does a lot. I mean, I'm not going to say it solves every little problem, but when you have that positive perspective, that positive belief, 
You can do things. You can get things accomplished. You can overcome a lot of things when you got your mind right and you have your beliefs in check. You know, it's it's your state of mind because we all know when people lose that belief. What happens like a lot of people, it becomes psychological, then it becomes physical. You've heard of people, you know, of people who've lived to their married couple get older. They're seniors. Been married probably 30, 40 years. They, it still happens, people. And what happens is these people are married for years and then one of the person passes away. And then, for some reason, the psychological transfers to the physical and that other person, you hear them pass away months after. And then you say to yourself, wow. There was nothing wrong with that other person, but that's how we are as human beings. We have a mental, and I think it's per mental that can affect, the, it's the mind's the most powerful thing. So if you put that mind in a certain space, there's a lot of wonderful, beautiful things that could happen. You know, you just got to understand that we can invent many things, but we... We have to get our psychological together. We have to understand that our mind is serious. It doesn't just do little things. It's very capable. They haven't even figured out the mind yet. It's complex. So if they do ever figure out the mind, you know what? I believe the mind just is ever expanding. You know, they talk about the elasticity of the cells. It's expanding. So, you know, these different experiences get into the mind. So what? But. Despite just experiences getting into the mind, it's what you put in that mind, your frame of mind, your positive. And I believe that, yes, they're going to come up with something to help us get through it, but we have to learn from these times. I hope we do learn in many different ways because there were a lot of things, you know, a lot of people call this the reset. The reset means that we're resetting how things are going on in this world right now. I mean, look at what is going on in the world. And I, my next podcast, I want to talk about what is really going on in the world. And I want you to listen. I want you to tell some of your friends because you know I got some things to say about what's really going on in this world of ours because these are unique times. But we do need to look at some of them. And I'm going to highlight them next time on my podcast because it's important. It's important for us to discuss this because... A lot of us are seeing some change. We can't make an understanding of what's really going on. But deep down, we, we know things aren't going to be the same. Many things will go back, back to being the same. But once you teach that old dog that new trick and that old dog is willing to change, you got something going on. So we need to understand that. Next time, we're going to talk about it. And I appreciate you listening. And you're all people. And you need to understand we're human beings and we can change. You know? We can work on things, and communication is important, right? And understanding that we don't have to do it all. We always try to do it all to meet everyone's needs, but it, these are times, these are unique times. So we're going to talk again, and I want you all to understand that you're important. Have a good one.